If you talk to employers and ask them what characteristics are you looking for in your employees, there might be a list including good work ethic, training, qualifications, experience, but pretty much always you'll hear one quality, honesty. All employers want an employee that they can trust. And if you, in talk, if you talk to employees, you'll find the same thing. They want an employer that they can believe and trust. If you talk to single people about their ideal partner, in the list along with must be gorgeous, rich and drive a Porsche preferably, <laughs> you'll almost always find honesty. We all want to marry a person that we can trust, don't we? Talk to someone who has a successful marriage or a close friendship that has lasted the test of time. Ask them about that relationship and I guarantee that one of the characteristics of that relationship will be honesty. They'll say, I can be completely honest with that person and I know that they can be completely honest with me. We trust each other. We've decided never to lie to one another. We're honest all the time. We all value honesty and truth, don't we? And when someone is not honest or truthful with us, we don't like it, do we? I guarantee that you can remember the last time someone lied to you and that associated with that memory is hurt when Tony Abbott is caught lying or any, of other, any other of our politicians, there's public outcry, isn't there? People say that he must resign, he's lied to the Australian people. We all value honesty and truth. And yet at the same time, lying is almost an accepted part of life in our culture. Movies, books, television shows, the news, politics, they're all just full of lies and deceit. When you're watching one of your favourite shows this week, take note of how many times the people just lie and it's considered just an accepted part of how you act. Telling a lie, as long as it's not too big a lie, is pretty much accepted in our culture, isn't it? You need a day off, you ring the boss and you go, <coughs> I can't come in today, I'm sick. <coughs> or you have no intention of getting the job done on time but you say to the client, yes, it's all on schedule, it's all going well. You drop your phone and you take it back and you claim the warranty and you say, no, I've never dropped it, it just stopped working. You make up some story to the teacher about why your homework isn't done. You twist the story of what happened when you got that detention at school so that it seems like you really didn't deserve it. You say, I'm busy, when that invitation comes that you don't really want to have to say yes to. It's weird, it's like this double standard. We crave honesty, we value it. We want people to be honest with us. We hate it when people lie to us. Yet, at the same time, we accept that lying is just 
a part of life and we do it without even thinking about it. Well, we're on the last legs of our series in the book of James and tonight we're just going to look at one verse. James chapter 5 verse 12. Above all, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. So James returns to teaching about the tongue, about our words, a theme that's been present right through his letter, hasn't it? And this time he says we need to be people of our word. We need to let our yes be yes and our no, no. James says that we need to be people whose word is honest and true and trustworthy. And before we unpack that a bit and think about how we go about living that, you need to know that James isn't alone when he says that we need to be truthful people. Right back in the beginning of the Old Testament, do not give false witness is one of the Ten Commandments. Proverbs is full of warnings about lying. Proverbs 6.12, a man with a corrupt mouth is a scoundrel and a villain. Proverbs 10.31, a perverse tongue will be cut out. And one of those verses that hits you like a slap in the face, Proverbs 12.22, the Lord detests lying lips. God detests lying. He hates it. It turns his stomach. It makes him sick. And why does he hate it so much? Because lying is counter to his character. It's, it's the opposite of, of God's character. And also lying destroys people. It hurts people. Proverbs 15.4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I know that there are people here who have had their spirits crushed and their hearts broken by lies and by deceit and by twisted truths. He promised he would be faithful. She said she loved me. He told me he'd given up the drinking. The contractor promised He'd pay, but he didn't, and now I've lost my business. She promised that she wouldn't tell anyone. I asked her not to tell anyone, and she said, no, I won't. God hates anything that wounds people, and so he hates lying. And James says, you know what? It's pretty simple. Just let your yes be yes, and your no, no. So we've established, I think, that despite what our culture will tell us, that we all crave truth and honesty. We also know that lying hurts and wounds because we've all experienced that in our own lives. And we've seen from, our, from God's word that God hates it. God hates lying. And right now, most of us are sitting here thinking, that is so true. I'm so sick of being lied to. 
I wish people would just tell the truth. And whilst that thought is a fair one and an understandable one, I want you to do what I've done this week as I've wrestled with this verse. I want you to turn the spotlight away from others and onto yourself. And ask yourself, have I told any lies lately? And before you answer that, I mean any lies, any lies at all, any harmless little half-truths. Let's do lunch. I'll pay you back soon. I'll be praying for you. Do you ever exaggerate the truth? Do you ever tell a story and put just a little bit of spin on it? Are you one of those people who never lets the truth get in the way of a good story? Do you ever describe what you've done in exaggerated terms? Or do you ever minimise some bad thing that you've done so that it doesn't look quite so bad? Do you ever twist the truth a little bit to make someone else look bad? Have you ever got into a sticky situation and then told a lie to get out of it? No, Mum, I don't know anything about that scratch on the car. Must have been someone at the shops. Have you made a mistake at work? And then thought, if I don't say anything, no one will know that I dropped that whole batch of muffins on the floor. Now think about this. How does it make you feel when you lie? Most of us, unless we've developed a habit of lying and we've long ago gotten used to it, most of us feel just a little bit uneasy when we lie, don't we? There's, there's a little bit of a squirm in the stomach. There's a bit of a guilty feeling. We can't look the person in the eye. I wonder why that is. I think it's because we're created in the image of a truth-telling God. At the core of God's character is truth. He's absolutely incapable of any form of deceit. And so because of that, because we're created in his image, it always is going to feel wrong when we lie. There'll be alarm bells, there'll be an unsettled feeling because we weren't created to lie. We were created for truth. So what, what is the only reasonable response to all of this? The only reasonable response really is for us to choose not to lie. Now, completely, to say, okay, from this moment onwards, I will choose in my heart with the help of God to only speak the truth, always, in every situation, for the rest of my life. We need to draw a line in the sand and say, no, that's enough. No more half-truths, no more exaggeration, no more twisting of reality, no more lies. And it's my prayer that maybe some of you tonight might make that choice. But I don't want to leave it there because my experience is that it's hard. James is very black and white. 
he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But it's not that simple, is it? Absolute truth-telling for a lot of us isn't easy and habits are deeply ingrained. So I want to give you tonight just some practical hints that I've found really helpful. They're from a chapter in um, a book by Bill Hybels called Making Life Work and the chapter is called Speak Truth. The first one we've talked about when we've talked about anger and slander and so many other ways that we sin with our mouths. And it's based on the words of Proverbs 10:19, which says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. If you're serious about truth-telling, then look at it this way. If you have 300 conversations in an average week and you lie five times, then your liar predictor index is 300 to 5. You with me? Yes? The mathematicians are going, he's going to be checking me, I can see it. 300 to 5. If you lie five times in every week when you've had 300 conversations, 300 to 5. You want to stop lying? Then think about this. Next week, if you only have 200 conversations, you'll bring your number of lies down to 3.3. If you only have 60 conversations, then you'll only lie once. If you have 59 conversations or less, you won't lie at all. I can guarantee it because I've proved it in my life. See, some people think that I'm quiet and reserved. But the truth is, I've learned. I've learned that the less I talk, the cleaner my conscience is. The less I talk, the less I exaggerate. The less I talk, the less I say things that I regret. The less I talk, the fewer promises I make that I can't keep. Proverbs 15.28 says, The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. You want to become a truth-telling person? We keep coming back to this. Then just speak less. You just don't have to just... You don't have to let words gush out of your mouth all the time. You don't have to participate in every conversation. You don't have to express every thought that comes into your mind. The Bible says it over and over again. We have to carefully consider our words before we speak, particularly when it comes to lying, because our words are powerful, but we just blah, 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 let them come out, don't we? We don't think. And once they're out there, they're out there. And then it's six months of trying to deal with the blah, blah, blah that gushed out of our mouth. Computers have a spell check feature. We need to have a lie check feature. So that before we speak, when the words are formulating in our brain, we ask, firstly, are these words necessary? Do I actually have to say this? Then are these words true? 
Are they absolutely, unquestionably true? And if the answer is no to either of those questions, then we choose to keep our mouth closed. It'd be handy, wouldn't it, if there was this little red light that came on, like when we spell a word wrong on the computer. Red light, keep mouth shut. <laughs> Sadly, we don't have that app installed, do we? But we can make a choice to discipline ourselves to weigh our words. And if they're found wanting, to choose not to say them. It's so much easier to do that than to deal with the mess of some of the words that we speak. So that's the first thing. We need to avoid unnecessary words, to ruthlessly truth test every word and to silence our words if necessary to avoid even the hint of untruth. But there's another side to truth-telling, one that I personally find much harder. See, there are occasions in life when telling the truth is hard. I've had people I've known over the years who have been destroying their lives because of an addiction. It's affecting their quality of life, their marriage, their ability to keep a job, and even their ability to parent children. And yet I haven't said anything to them. I've chosen not to speak because doing so would be uncomfortable for me. There's been times in my life when I've known something about someone else, something that I really should have told someone about. But I've chosen not to because I know that the person would be upset with me and it would lead to some sort of conflict. There was a time in my life when I worked for over a year in a job before some of the people knew that I was even a Christian. And I say that to my shame. There's been times when I've been in a group and people have been speaking about someone in a way that I know is wrong and I've kept quiet. I haven't said anything because I don't want the group to turn on me. I've done it so many times in my life. I've shrunk back from telling the truth because it might cost me something. It might make me uncomfortable. It might mean that someone won't like me. And I've silenced words of truth because I'm afraid of the ripples that they might create in the quiet pond of my life. That's the truth about me. Proverbs 3 verse 3 says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on your heart. The writer of Proverbs is saying, we need to cling to truth no matter what. Write it on our hearts so that it's part of who we are. But also hang it around our neck so that others can see it. Cling to the truth and speak it in your marriage, in your family, in your friendships, in your school, in your workplace. I'm so thankful that there have been people in my life 
who have had the courage to tell me the truth over the years, even though it was risky for them. That kind of truth-telling has been life-changing for me at times. I'm blessed to have a truth-teller for a husband. Some of the words he's had the courage to speak have been uncomfortable for me to hear, but they've changed me. Do not let kindness and truth leave you, says the book of Proverbs. Cling to the truth. Have the courage to speak the truth. You have no idea how God might choose your words to change someone's life. But there's an important thing to note about this kind of truth-telling. Did you notice what is paired with truth in the verse? Kindness. Truth and kindness. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. Truth and love. Other verses pair truth with grace. We have to combine our truth-telling with kindness and love and grace. And this combination, that's what gives our words transforming power. We all know people who go around speaking the truth without love or kindness or grace. Murray and I watched a movie on Friday night called August something? Osaga County, Meryl Street movie. Disturbing, dysfunctional family. But her thing was, I speak the truth. I speak the truth. And there's just a trail of destruction in her family behind her. If you've seen it, you'll know what I mean. We all know people like that who say, I just tell it how it is. I just speak the truth. And their words may be true, but they brutalise other people. And they leave a trail of woundedness behind them. And then there's others, I'm sure you know other people like this, who gush kindness and love to everyone they meet. Oh, you're so wonderful, you're so pretty, you're so... But they avoid difficult truths. They leave a trail of empty sentimentality and shallow fake relationships. We have to be committed to truth-telling. But we've got to make sure that our words are bathed in, in love and grace and kindness. Think about a line, a brightly coloured line graph. And on the left is a blue zone with the word truth over it. And on the right is a yellow zone with the word love over it. In the middle is a green zone where truth and love mingle. Have a think about where you might sit on the graph. Most of us will kind of tend to go to one end or another. People are truth tellers. They tell the truth regardless. There's other people who are peace lovers. They'll prefer to keep the peace. They'll, they'll be more loving, but the truth kind of gets lost in that. What we need to do is try and be in the middle so that we're loving truth tellers. Are you the kind of person that lives in that yellow zone? You offer love and encouragement and grace but you kind of shrink back from telling the truth especially if it's a bit uncomfortable. 
Would you rather keep the peace than tell the truth? Or are you in the blue zone? You pride yourself on saying it how it is. You fearlessly tell people what they need to hear. But sometimes there's not a lot of kindness or grace or love. The challenge is to work at living in the green zone. People who live in the green zone are such a blessing. You can give them access to your life knowing that they will have the guts to challenge you if you need it, but also knowing that they will not mortally wound your heart. Green zone relationships are real. They're deep. And they're the way God intended them to be. Finally, I want to finish by jumping ahead to a verse that we'll be looking at next week in more detail because it's really relevant to what we're talking about tonight. It's verse 16. It says, Confess your sins to one another. We don't do confession nearly enough, I don't think. But if you want to get on top of lying, there's no better discipline Decide that you will confess any hint of dishonesty directly to the person most affected by it as soon as you become aware of it and humbly ask their forgiveness. I said I'd be there and I didn't turn up. I'm sorry. I said I'd pay you back and I haven't. I'm sorry. I said I didn't have any homework. And I did. I'm sorry. What I told you isn't exactly true. It didn't actually happen exactly like that. It happened like this. Confession will do two things. It will build people's confidence in the truth of your words. And it will make you think twice before speaking something that isn't true. There's nothing that will make you stop and think more than knowing that if you do lie, you'll have to face the person you lied to and admit it. Can you imagine how our families, our schools, our neighbourhoods, our workplaces, our churches would change if every single person was committed to speaking only the truth in love? It seems impossible, but it can start with us. See, I can't control anyone else's choice to speak the truth or to lie. But I can make that choice for myself. I can choose to be a loving truth teller. We, we can all make that choice. Let's bow our heads and pray together. just in the quietness of your own heart between you and God, just take some time to respond to the challenges from his word tonight. Maybe you need to make a commitment to speaking less so that you can be more thoughtful about your words. If that's you, talk to God about it. Ask him to help you. Maybe you need to work at the balance between truth and love. 
talk to God about that. Or maybe, maybe you're sensing the Holy Spirit saying that you need to do some confession. You can begin that by honestly confessing your failing, your sin, to God. And he will be faithful. He'll forgive you. Lord, we're sorry for the way that we so often sin with our words. We don't cling to the truth like we should. We don't have a healthy balance of truth and love in our lives. We thank you that even though you see all that, you love us anyway. And we ask you tonight to please help us because we can't do it on our own. Help us to be people whose yes is yes and whose no is no. Help us to be people who speak only truth, but always with grace and kindness and love. We thank you, God, that you are truth and love and grace and kindness. We love you. Bless your people here, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.